What is going on, guys? It is Caleb. Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops podcast. In this edition, Tyler and I sit down and uh, just run through some of the fun young hoopers in the East. Again, you know, we're we're a month out from the season. A lot of guys made jumps. I got a lot of guys made huge jumps. A lot of guys didn't necessarily make jumps. We got our first look at, um, you know, a weird rookie season for a lot of these guys, but got our first look at a lot of fun young players. So we just did our best in a timely manner to go through some of the fun young players in the league uh, in, in the Eastern Conference. Looked at it from a, a fantasy perspective a little bit, but mostly um, long term in the NBA, more of a, a GM winning game standpoint. But I hope you guys enjoy. I will say before we jump into it, this podcast is brought to you by Ling Ling Asian Kitchen, all natural pot stickers, chicken and vegetable dumplings with savory dipping sauce. Uh, I'm not joking. I have I have them at least I have a serving of them at least once a day. If I miss a day, like it's it's pretty rare. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this. We'll have a Western Conference uh, edition of this coming out soon. And Tyler and I will be having, or sorry, Sarge and I will be having a playoff uh, preview type of podcast for both conferences coming out soon. So a lot of stuff on the way. Appreciate uh, all of you for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, we are recording. We are live. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the podcast. I got uh, my buddy Tyler. We can actually see each other this time. It is great. And Tyler, get this. The audio will be perfectly clear. So Chuck can hear that you have a great podcast voice as well. (laughs) Um, But it this this idea originally started as me thinking, okay, let's talk about some players who I could potentially see handing the keys over to. And that was like going to be the podcast, like the hand the keys pod. Um, but then I was thinking about that and it was like the hand, the keys is so subjective. Like uh, you could hand the key to a guy. If you're a bad franchise that just wants to be good to a guy who's not as good. And so there's just a million different ways you could have gone about this. So I felt it'd be fun, especially cause we're in a fantasy league with, you know, 28 other guys um, to go through some of the younger players. And again, anywhere if we're talking 21 to 26, anyone with like a reasonable ceiling that they haven't reached yet um, and just go through some of the guys are, that are the most interesting to both of us, uh, mostly from the lens of the NBA and, and how good they can be, but also sprinkling some some fantasy stuff as well. So uh, I'm excited to have you, bro. Are, are you ready? I'm ready. So, so this whole thing is going to be recorded via video. Yeah. So we're, we're just going on video, but the what Anchor does is it allows me to just take the audio from this mm-hmm. and just throw it into the podcast. So it'll be the, cool. the but I'll also throw it on, on YouTube too. Nice. Yeah. Okay. We so, get some screen time finally. I know, bro. Everyone gets to see you. <laughs> um, cool. You can lead us off, bro. I know that's a lot of pressure, but um, we'll just alternate. You can go ahead and, and talk about whoever you want to talk about. Yeah, I think the guy that I want to talk about first is R.J. Barrett. Um, yeah. And I I wanted to start there. I, I thought that the, the R.J. Barrett thing was really interesting because in that draft class, especially, you know, after last season, it was, you know, Zion, Ja, and then everybody else. 
and RJ was just the third pick, the, you know, the, the forgotten about, you know, third pick out of that draft class. And to give people just some context, the reason why he, he averaged 14 points, five rebounds, two and a half assists and uh, shot 40% from the field just wasn't, it wasn't a good year by any means, really. There was no way to say it was a good year. Right. And, and it just, I mean, for his sake, the, the season itself was cut short, which when, when you're thinking about a 19 year old, if yeah. they're missing out on more than a quarter of their rookie season, yeah. it makes sense that their development might be, you know, behind where you think it should be at. Um, but I think what Thibodeau has been able to do is he's just not so offensively focused. He's like incorporating this defensive thing into his game now, yeah. which I never saw at Duke. And maybe he just never needed to do that at Duke. And they didn't really care to do it on last year's Knicks team. Yeah. Um, but I'm really seeing a complete player there. You know, the, the reason why he was a top three prospect and obviously a top three draft pick Um so I just like what he's what he's done this year. I mean, stats up across the board, percentages, efficiency up across the board. Keep in mind, he's exactly. not even 21 yet. He's not even legal drinking that's age part. at this point. And that's that's the best part. I, I, it's been so fun. He's been a key piece of such a fun storyline in New York. And it it just goes to show you, you just the the development of these guys is never going to be in this perfect way that you can just figure it out. He was not good last year and he kept came in this year and is shooting the ball. So he's shooting 39% from three. He shot like, I think 30% last year. Like he's averaging 17, five and three playing solid defense. And I actually did some, some digging bro. And, and, you know, Drew Hanlon, mm -hmm. um, like who are some of the guys that come to mind when you think of who he trains Tatum is the first one that I think of. Um, I know he's done it with Drew holiday too. Yeah. But I think I think Tatum, Beal, and Levine are like his biggest guys. And he said that with RJ, like especially coming on, coming on, like he's so early, um, they have to focus on one thing at a time and get really, really good at it. And then then they can go to the next thing. And they can't, instead of doing a bunch of things and getting a little better in all of them. And he said you saw that with Tatum. Levine and Beal, like they all relied on that mid range when they first, like when they were first Tatum as a rookie, Levine early on, and, and Beal, they were mid range shooters. And then they brought that range. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. they could start pulling off the dribble from further back and had all these moves. And he said RJ is going to be there too. He doesn't, you think about it, he doesn't take any um, off the dribble threes. It's all just catch and shoot. But yeah. he said RJ is going to be there. Uh, eventually, and, and then he has no doubt with, you know, obviously what's he going to say, but just the ability to even think of that as his ceiling too, uh, as someone who can shoot it from out there, it's just, you got to be stoked as a Knicks fan, especially from where he ended last year. Um, I, I think Beal's probably a pretty apt comparison for what RJ can be. I mean, if you remember Beal when he was back at Florida, like he wasn't really known as a shooter. He was an explosive guy that played good defense, really had, was like a mid-range shot. Yeah. Like he was like, never known like as like a like, not a, like a sniper at all, and now he's Can just casual. Real quick, bro. I know this is completely off topic, but I've I've been wanting to talk about this with you, and it, it, maybe it's getting a little less merit as we're going on in the season. But is Beal like wh where is Beal for you as a top like how, where is he top fifteen like like I don't know because where is Beal? I mean, I mean, I, I guess you could be a top 
15 player and just not be a, a guy that leads a winning team, right? I feel like you don't necessarily have to be a guy that, that leads a team to be a top 15 player. I, I don't necessarily think you need to either. I, I will agree with that statement. But him and Russ are together. Like, it's not like he's by him. Like, you know what I mean? And we we talk about Russ. Like, he has his flaws. Russ is still a good play. Like, right. I just wonder. Like, I, I he's the guy that I don't know the most. And, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on where he was, at least for you. Because I know you like him. It's similar. It's it's almost similar to me as like the Carl Anthony Towns situation. Like Carl Anthony Towns was thought of as recently as two years ago as like a top five player in the league. You know, he he was supposed to be the cusp of that. Yeah. Right. And so he, and granted, there's been a lot of turnover in Minnesota and he's had injuries and stuff, but I think of them kind of similarly, like they are stat stuffers. They are fantasy monsters, but do I think that the team that they are on can win with them being the one a option. I'm not sure. And it's looking unlikely at this point. Yeah. And those are the, always the the conversations that I have is like, but because some of these guys are going to command one a like roles, no matter where they go. So, but cat, and it sets the, it sets the team that they're on back in my eyes, because it, that, that means that they're going to demand one a type money. And then yeah. the GM is almost set backwards because that they don't have money to shell out elsewhere for a guy that's probably not a winning 1A player. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's what I like. I feel like Beals again and again, we see it. Guys get better. Guys continue to get better. It's it's underrated, but guys can still get better from 29 to 30 in the way that they play the game. They're playing for a whole extra year. But yeah, I, I, we have a huge sample size now of like. I know Beal was hurt for a little bit. I know Russ was hurt for a little bit. I just think, I don't know. And, and that's what I continue to try and improve in as we're watching Hoop is like, how do I value a guy like, like, where is he at? It can't be everything. The winning can't be everything. Obviously, you see what he does, but I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. As we, yeah, I mean, I, I could honestly, depending on what Chicago does, I could see Levine kind of being in that same scenario if he's able to do it consistently for the next year or two. And props to Levine, like he was way worse last year. Like for he even got, getting into that conversation. Yeah, for sure. he got the exactly. But for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, did you want to? Do you want to keep going with RJ? He's. I mean, the, he's just the the only the only other thing that doesn't necessarily worry me with RJ. It's more just like the, how the Knicks offense functions. It kind of just runs through Randall. Like they set the plays up for Randall. And I was actually surprised RJ's usage rate is 23. Uh, That's higher than I actually thought it was going to be. But I'm just curious, like how this whole Knicks thing is going to go for the next year or two years. Like, are are they just going to build around? This is the first time we've done it. Like, Right. You know, and and so it's interesting because I'm sure when they gave Randall the money, they, you know, probably wanted somebody that was good and worth the money, but they probably didn't envision Randall becoming their 1A option. They probably thought that RJ was going to be that. Yeah. And so that little piece of the development is is he's just just going to be the Robin to Julius Randall's Batman, or how is that going to work? Yeah. I think in the next couple, I mean, if if Randall continues to play the way he does and, and, or even slightly improve, like, I think Randall will be the one a it'll just be a measure of, you know, as RJ continues to grow, how much can he even that split? 
and, and we'll it's, see. it's so funny because it's the same thing same exact thing that happened at at duke right i mean rj yeah. barrett's been the best player on his team <laughs> yeah. his whole entire life and then he just goes and he's like well shit there's a generational yeah. player on my team and now i'm in new york and this are we there every generation with uh Randall generational. No, no I, I'm saying it was with oh, Zion, God. and now it's like a now there's yeah. just this random, random. I mean, Randall's been good 20. for a while, but not this level. Yeah, he's also 20. Like when when yeah. Andre Baird is 25, like he'll if he's progressed the way he should, he'll be the guy. And I yeah. tried to get him from from Wizards in our league. I did too. With McCollum, I tried the same thing. I, that that windows that window's gone. It might it probably had to have been within the first 15 or 20 games of the season if he was going to move them. Yeah. I, I don't know. You, you hope sometimes that guys aren't paying attention. You'd be surprised, but I will also yeah. say, I want to make sure people know, like I'm not, I, I'm not here to sabotage anything. I have no ulterior motives. I'm just going to speak exactly how I think I'm not here to hurt like anyone's value. I'm just, I'm just talking. And again, it's mostly from a real life lens, but, uh, there's just some sensitive people. There's some yeah. sensitive people. So that's fair. Um, all right. All right who's, who's yours? With that being said, bro, let's go to Colin Sexton. Let's go to the okay. Let's go. Let's just discuss Sexton and Garland together. That way it's not okay. some of the Sexton thing. Uh, and again, because we're coming from the real life lens, let's 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 give some backstory on both of them. So Darius Garland comes out last year. And you can pop in whenever if if something comes to your mind. Uh, Darius Garland gets drafted last year. He was really under the radar. I I don't watch a ton of college hoops, so you probably I don't know how much you saw. He was him. under the radar for me, and I feel okay. like I watch a good amount of college okay. hoops. Did you catch him at all in college? I watched a couple of his games, but that's what happens when these guys don't go to like the one A schools, especially in like the Power Five conference leagues. I mean, it was almost the same thing with like Michael Porter Jr. when he was playing at Mizzou. It was yeah. like I would watch some of his games, but he wasn't playing at a school that was like a big name school. So you don't so necessarily watch him all the time. In the games that you did watch, did you come away like, oh shit? Or was it just like whatever? Because sometimes these college programs, you know, they just make them robots and they can't really show you. But where was he at? I, I didn't get that sense when I watched it. Well, I, I tuned in to watch him because I saw him as like a potential lottery pick on all the, you know, the draft boards and stuff like that. And I watched him and it, he looked like a like a player in the league, but he definitely didn't look like you know, a player that it's even spend the top yeah. 10 pick on. Yeah. You know? Gotcha. And and so they draft him with that high pick. Again, I had heard really very little about him, um, but everyone was just on board with him being like, okay to go there. Um, like it wasn't, I don't think, yeah, it wasn't really seen as a reach despite the the few amount of games he played. Um, and he was just not good as a rookie. And obviously, obviously it was a terrible team. They had a terrible team defense. You're not like, he was not good as a defender, but also like the team as a whole was not good. Uh, he wasn't very efficient. And so you just have this undersized guy, guard, who can't really shoot at an efficient level, can't defend at a high level. And then people are like, oh, oh, my God, he's a bust. And then what happens, like things usually do, year two comes around and he's absolutely hooping this year. Like, I, I don't I, I think he might be one of the more underrated, like slept on guys recently, just in, in terms of how he's been playing recently on the season 17, two and, and six, 45, 40 and 85 from the field. In his last seven, though, 22, three and seven on 48, 80 or 48, 41 and 83 
And like, you can just tell when he's playing, like, okay, that what he just did is not like a, a very easy thing to do. And he's 21 and he's flipped the whole script on, on his value. Just kind of, kind of like RJ. And I think that a lot of the, the recent, I guess, bump in his play, you can attribute it to the Cavs as a, as a whole, just getting healthier. So, yeah. you know, the team defense isn't as much focused on the two guards. Now you have to deal with Jared Allen. You have to deal with Nance or Kevin Love. Now yeah. he has a little bit of space to work with. He can run the pick and roll. Dude, the pick and roll that it, that he he ran a couple today with Jared Allen that were nasty. But Dude, I, he- I like him a lot. But it goes back to similarly to RJ. Like these, these second-year players – didn't have like a quarter of their rookie year it was just shut down they didn't yeah. you know they don't get normal training and even this season like teams aren't practicing so all yeah. of these guys their development is going to be slower just naturally with how things are going with COVID right now but yeah, this, no, this year i just from listening to podcasts and just listening to what nba players say this year has been brutal for them like, yeah like this has not been an enjoyable year in terms of the yeah Van Fleet said something last week about it just being like, this is the first time I can ever remember. I just feel like, you know, I'm part of a business, you know, I'm, nobody's having fun out here. Like I the guess the Raptors the, specifically. The no. Yeah. They're literally, they're not even in or in <laughs> yeah. so brutal. But the testing multiple times a day, these teams like the Lakers don't it, practice, man. like they don't practice at all. Like they, yeah. they're just not supposed to be together when they yeah. don't have to be for their game. So it makes sense that the development's a little bit slower. Yeah, and, and all the more props. Um, but you're also seeing a lot of these guys, like Garland going from one to year two, he had such a long offseason, and you're seeing it really help mm-hmm. someone like him who legitimately had a year. Um, we'll go to Sexton too, bro. Uh, he come, they, I think they took him pick eight, and – you kind of saw him have a similar year to Garland in, in his rookie year. He could he could score a little bit better, but again, inefficient, didn't play defense, didn't really pass, and then immediately gets labeled as like a bust and then comes in this year, 24 points a game. Like 24 points. I didn't realize he was that high. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought he was like 21. Points. Like 24 is a lot. Um, yeah. Three and four on 48 from the field, 37 from three and 81. So uh, the guy is an absolute. What's his player. usage rate at? I don't know. You want to look that up? I, I would guess yeah. it's it's high 20s, low 30s, maybe even. He's getting 24 and a half. He's got to have a pretty high usage rate. Yeah, but but he's been somewhat efficient with it. So, again, I, I like him in a real-life sense. Like, I think if his role is as a two, scoring it up and, and like, kind of like a CJ-ish role, just maybe he could honestly be – score more efficiently than cj uh but that just hurts in fan like in fantasy that just limits us but i like that comparison and i think he's a more athletic and better defender than cj ever yes i I think that's what the Cavs thought process is in like the precedent of this like okay we've seen two small guards if they're supremely skilled like dame and cj be able to at least again maybe not you're not going to be a title favorite but like be in the conversation at times if you right. have a good team around them. Um, and and it looked really not too promising. Like if you rewind this a year ago and now they're sitting here and like, that's that's a backcourt. You just got to, and, and you got Allen now too. Like that's another guy we didn't even write. Like, yeah. Jared, well, with, 
with the the Sexton and Garland thing, so I checked it out. Sexton's usage rate is twenty eight percent. I think part of that has to do with the fact the team was hurt. And a lot of bodies have been down. Garland missed some time too. Garland missed some time, and you know Sexton probably thought, you know, fuck it, we're not going to make the playoffs. Let me just get mine. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how well they play together unless Sexton wants to accept that off ball role because I think Garland is a really good facilitator. Um, I don't think that I Sexton think is at has that to realize level. That. I think he has to. I think he does. I think he does. Because I've read yeah. the boys. They're boys. It, if that's – well, they have the whole, like, Sexton thing going on, which is great. Like, I hope they're buddies. But I think but, actually they, they call each other brothers. So I'd hope that yeah. they could figure that out between the two. I'm, right. I'm a little and, bit better of a facilitator. Yeah, I mean – that, that could be looked at as like one of the best backcourts in the league if they can figure it out like that, you know, the next three, four, five years. Yeah, you're um, if you're the captain. I mean, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the defense, you know, isn't great, but they're both athletes. They, they can get better at on the defensive side of the ball. But I really, really like Sexton – or I really, really like Garland as a prospect – both, both real life and for fantasy. Like he's an yeah. awesome facilitator and his shots dropping a lot better than it was last year. And he has just a wiggle that you just, some guards just don't have. Like, yeah, he is able to create space and, in ways that just even good guards that like Mike Conley can't do. Like it's yeah. just, that's, that's special in him. And, and even Sexton, like, I, I just Dude, love uh, I love a, a lot of these a lot of these younger guards. Flammy has them. A, a lot of these young younger guards kind of have that. Like you see the like the the guys like I don't know quickly or or Maxi that have this like kind of mixed yeah. floater game and stuff. Like Garland has too. Guys really are getting so much better at basketball, bro. It's insane. Ridiculous. It's crazy. Like these guys that again are not practicing in their rookie season or their second yeah. year are that good at facilitating. Um, at that age is crazy. By the way, Kobe White is going ballistic right now. He's another guy. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about Kobe White? I think that's a good segue, bro. Oh, I wanna, I wanna see if he finishes this game on a high note before we start talking about him. <laughs> okay. he, might, he might go three straight possessions with a turnover, and then I'll. Then yeah. I'll I was, so Kobe White's interesting because really, you've seen since Levine's went down. I mean, he's looked pretty damn good. I, I've never, again, I've watched some Bulls games, but it's it's never to the point where I'm watching them and I'm like, oh my god, Kobe, you're you're like, what are you doing? Like, I I, I feel like our Bulls fans just meaner. Like, what uh, he or or he, what is there merit to? Is he because I've always thought of him as a playmaker. I've always thought of him as you know being able to see the floor. I, what's been the issue? Why are they mad? The issue. At least the issues that I see, he gets loose, loose with his handle sometimes and does not make the best decisions. Um, like his turnovers are are concerning, I would say. And I, I think that that's the reason that Donovan didn't want to play him for a while. And he wanted to put Sato in there because he wanted him to probably learn a lesson to just not turn yeah. the ball over as much. He's got it down, though. One point eight turnovers a game in April so far. Yeah, no, he's he's been a lot better. And I think that like when we were talking in the Discord, they they would talk about how, you know, he's just basically Lou Williams, which is just not even that they're not even the same player. But no, dude, they're just saying that to get a reaction for sure. No, I but they, 
But I, I think since Levine has been gone and he's had to take on a bigger usage rate in the offense, I think he's just gotten more comfortable. I just think he needs to figure out what his role is going to be next to Levine because Levine this season has turned into their primary ball handler. So that means that and, and Levine has a little bit of a turnover issue too. So Kobe yeah. needs to, to be that point guard. I, I really think he does. And that's where he can fit in. That's what they drafted him for. Yeah. They, they wanted him to be the point guard. And I'm not telling him to not be able to shoot, but like your primary job should not be to score when, especially when yeah. Zach Levine is on your team. And I think, yeah, I think that's part of this develop these, a lot of the development with these young guys is, is like you said, like with RJ bear, but it, it goes for a lot of these guys. They've always been studs and coming into the NBA and figuring out how to be good in a in a different way than you've had to do your whole life is like an adjustment for these young kids and the kids that figure that out sooner rather than later are just at a at a huge advantage and so i mean you look at Tyrese Halliburton every single night he knows what his role is and how he can help his team it's he's it's never about you never feel like he's playing mindlessly and and i and i honestly think Kobe i see Kobe under like i i see him as a guy who's figured that out honestly and in the process of figuring that out um i really like him honestly i don't know like it's hard to picture for me what he looks like because of levine but like if kobe white's his best version of himself like what i'm I'm trying to think of a, a comparison i i don't even i mean it's just that it kind of reminds me of the the Cavs backcourt situation in a sense where you have a guy like Levine who has a usage rate similar to a guy like Sexton who likes having the ball in their hand then you have somebody like Garland or somebody like White that needs to facilitate more if you have a scoring two guard next to you and I think that Garland at this point in his career has figured out that role better than Kobe White has but maybe you know I hope he's had some some time on the bench really put him he literally put him on the bench like i think that dude he had a night where he know. played like like eight minutes or something like that and he's like responded he, he's absolutely responded yeah um, i mean like the, he's he's been making winning plays this whole second half against miami they have the lead now they were you down love 10. to see that you love yeah. to see that. miami is unbelievably inconsistent but what do you think about larry bro what's up he literally averaged 19 and 8 as a rookie and what i don't happened? know man like I have how no does that, clue. something like that he, happen? He just I don't know. I don't like throwing this out there, but he just doesn't look like a guy that loves playing basketball. Does that make sense? Like he yeah. just doesn't look happy ever it, when he's on the court. He and it doesn't miserable. look like he enjoys contact. It doesn't look like no. like it looks like it's not an enjoyable experience for him when he's on. And he's he's the the guy that like if he misses his first shot of the night, he's done for the night. Like he just doesn't want to like put forward effort anywhere else. Like similarly yeah. to, to triple J, like a guy mm-hmm. that size needs yeah. to be getting rebounds. And this guy just doesn't rebound for his height. It's so weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of people say Boylan messed him up, but like, all right, get over it now. It's a new year. And, yeah, I mean, Donovan's a no BS coach. Like, he's going to play who's going to help him win the most. And right. for someone I like mean, that it, with that much talent to not be able to translate that talent into helping you win, it's just it, – it has to be 
engagement. I really think he's got to go somewhere. Well, it's the, yeah. Donovan had a quote maybe three weeks ago or a month ago when some Bulls beat writer pressed him about starting Thad Young and starting Sato over Kobe White and Markinen, and he was straight up. He was like, yeah, these guys have a ton of talent. Like they, they definitely have more talent than the guys that are now starting in front of them, but they're not helping us win right now. And if you're not going to help us win, you're not going to play. Uh, I love that. I wish I saw that quote. Yeah. And, and it made a lot of sense. And yeah. so seemingly Kobe took it one way and Lori's taken it another way. I love but, that from Kobe. And I, that just goes to show. That's that's the type of person who can take it in that way and get better. And actually, that's that's what Drew said about RJ too. Is he seeks the criticism like he wants right. it. And well, the the Lori thing is it's interesting. It's it's kind of like the John Collins situation in Atlanta, right? Like Lori's yeah. on this team in Chicago that is now has a bona fide number one option that is not him. Same yeah. thing with Atlanta with Trey Young. But can this guy be self-aware for a second? You you think right. how can right. Lori expect to be that? How can John expect to be that? Or even but, both. But I think that earlier on in the season, you saw those you know rumors pop up about Trey Young and John Collins beefing, and that was when Atlanta was struggling with Lloyd Pierce. Yeah. And then if you look at the last two months, Atlanta's one of the best teams in basketball. John Collins has accepted his role in the offense next to Clint and just playing Nate offside. Clint, Trey. Unreal. Naming but, but yeah, but you yeah. have John Collins and Laurie who are both restricted, and one of them's going to get a big payday. And I don't know what happens to Laurie next. Where is he going to go from here? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there'll be plenty of suitors, but I I don't know. Like if if you as a professional and I know he's still what shit, like 22, 22, 23. Like I know he's young, but it's like if you're going to and I'm not going to say he's quit, but he if just you're not knocked down a big one age, who he did, he just knocked down a big one. That yeah. is literally we're just ripping on it. He just Literally down the corner three. I know. And, and, <laughs> and I think we're not even ripping on him because we dislike it. It's, it's just frustrating in this sense for a guy to be that talented and not see any fruit of that on the court. Like, where is right. that? You have a, you could be really, really exciting. Where is that? Um, and if you can't get, and if you're not engaged just because of the situation, I don't know. Like, I don't know that going to maybe, maybe somewhere we'll unlock it, but. I just like. I mean, what's he gonna get paid? I dude, that's a really good question. I I feel like I usually have a decent enough read on that. I I would guess he's still gonna get cashed out. He's he's almost twenty four, by the way. Okay, that does. I didn't I didn't know that he was that old. Also, why did he's not super old? But it's, it's. I don't know. Maybe the Bulls think that they can get him at a decent number, but I feel like. They would have dealt him if he – or can they – it confuses me. Sometimes they can just sign and trade, but sometimes they choose not to. Like, I don't I don't really understand that, but I don't know if they can get full value for him, but I feel like if he's going to get – I mean, what, would, you, would you call him – what would you quantify him as at this point? He was the same draft as Lonzo, Tatum, De'Aaron – I I think for me, if I'm another GM, I like my shot that I can make the most of that talent. With Lori. Yes. And I'm not like, it's tough. Again, small markets have to do certain things. 
like it's tough. Laurie's probably not worth 20 plus mil a year. Like he's definitely not right now, but you can hope that he could eventually become that and that be enough to take a risk on him. See, it's interesting. I, I don't remember which I want to say it was like Kevin Pritchard in Indiana was yeah. on a podcast talking about being a GM of a small market. And he was saying like, as a small market yeah. GM, like you can't take risks in free agency. Like you, you can't, you can't pay the $20 million to a guy that is not a proven star yeah. just because you, 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 can't, you just can't do that. You, you don't have the money. to pay. Have the money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I could see a small market team making a big payday for him, but it could just be, you know, the thing that has always set small markets back, which is paying guys too much money and them not, you know, fulfilling what that money is worth. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's hard. You think about it. it it's, very few guys really reach the full just, oh, yeah, they are so worth it. Like, it, it's a, it's not a great market for them. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, bro. I, I think – I still think he'll get – yeah, to answer your question, I think he'll get a decent bag based off of purely what he could – I mean, he literally averaged 18 and 9, and I know he's regressed, but – let me let let me get him into my camp. Let me see what I can do. Okay. Um, all right, we're gonna take a quick break and uh, come back and, and just discuss more young players, dude. Uh, we're back, and I realized, bro, like there's a there's actually a pause button. I'm I've never done this before, so <laughs> like we didn't even need to say that I took a break. But the Hornets are gonna be so fun in the playoffs. I can't wait. Um. We can go anywhere, bro. We really can. Go. Um, it's it's up to you. I want to hold on. I'm pulling up the list really quick. It's really any young, fun player in the East. Um, and and I honestly was staying away from guys like even like we were talking off air about Lamelo, like star. We don't even need it. I mean, unless you yeah, unless there was a star like you really wanted to touch on about something like. I know what Lamelo's going to do, and I think it's. I, I mean, where where you think he has? Yeah, I mean, he he's he's going to be a star. I wonder what the upside is, but yes, the the fact that he'll be a star is really undeniable, almost. I mean, fantasy wise, the upside is of oh. you know walking triple double and the. Yeah, the the real life impact. I I I'm. I mean, I, we clearly saw it this year. You know the Hornets were uh, middle of the, or middle of the playoff picture team in the East when he was healthy. Yeah. Um, I still want to see you know how he grows as a defender. Um, there's times where it just looks like he's a little bit lost out there, yeah. um, and there's times where he can kind of get loose with the ball on offense. But that's all expected you know, from a rookie. Exactly. So it's like, I, I mean, I, I'm very excited to see he could be up there, which is crazy. I still remember when I had like friends when we were in high school or I, I remember I had a friend who's like two years younger than me and I remember when Lamella decided to go to Lithuania he's like oh my gosh this kid's sick this kid sucks like he's never gonna make it he just ruined his career and it's just so cool to see like Lamello had it wasn't Braun level but Lamello was like one of the first guys you see that like the NBA blew up and so since a young age with, with Instagram and social media, 
you're seeing guys that are literally being groomed for that. And, and he's had the eyes on him since he was a baby, bro. I mean, it was like him and him and Zion were like the two. Know, the, the post like, of that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm going to check. Yeah. How many, how many followers do you think he has on Instagram off your, off, off the top of your head? I don't know, but I'd assume. Like, a million and a half. I don't know. I'd assume it's more. more? Would you put him probably top 10 in the NBA and follow? Uh, we'll find 6.7 million followers. Is that top 10? It might be top you know, 10, honestly. Like Steph is, okay, that's 33. That's Steph. Okay. Uh, Kevin Durant. What about like Donovan Mitchell versus Lamelo? Yeah, that's because a good one. The, the guys, the two guys that you just listed are two of the top yeah. five players in the You're league. Right. No, he has double Donovan Mitchell, who's yeah. a star. Okay. Or a, a, a star. Um, and, and yeah, I wonder what Zion has. Zion has five. So yeah, you, I mean, you just see it. Yeah, there's really good um, players who don't, and so they've just had the eyes on him. And yeah. It, it's dope to so, come through. Yeah. So I want to talk about I want to talk about Hero. I know we were talking about him a bit um, before we were recording, but I'm curious, kind of, what you think about. I mean, clearly he took a step not forward this year. Well, I had him in the league very recently. <laughs> For those of you that didn't know, I used to have him. So I've. I very much thought about all the a vested interest. I very much thought about all the different, you know, pathways that Tyler Hero has. And for me, you, I, I, this is what I try to focus on. And then I have almost a, you could call it a justification for this year or my theory to what's going on this year. So last year he comes on is good, not great. Like, like rookie standards, good, not great. He saw like pretty, pretty good. Um, and then they go on the break and then he comes back to the bubble and it's just hooping. He's hitting game winning shots. He's hitting huge shots. He's averaging 16 points, good efficiency. And then he comes in this year and has regressed. Um, and let me, let me see if I have the actual like numbers on it. So I can... see the numbers itself don't actually show efficiency. Exactly. The efficiency is not what it was. The three-point shot is down no, tremendously. Exactly. His usage is up and his efficiency is down. It, he's shooting 33% from three this year. And, and he had that up to 37, 38 in the bubble last year. And again, it's a bubble. But for me, what I'm focusing on is this. And and I know we talked about it, you know, for fantasy-wise or whatever. But he actually in the bubble, and if you add, like look at underlying, he actually rebounds a lot for his size. Um, he has some creation and I don't ever think he'll, you know, average 10 assists a game, but there's playmaking to his game. And this goes for real life too, like as reasons why I like him. And he just showed he was never afraid to take the big shot. Like he wasn't, a, he wasn't, he didn't let the moment, which again is so hard to do. The, he didn't let the moment get to him as a 18, 19 year old and was already showing. And it wasn't just like wide open threes. Like it was isolation in the playoffs scoring on tough defenders. So for me, I look at it. He played in college. What, how many games do you play in college? Like 35, 35. Yeah. 35. He came to the league, uh, which was a shock and he still was good. And then he had all that time off showed. He got better in the bubble. Like 
And then really you, you think about the Lakers, how brutal is that turnaround to have to play, go to the bubble, play all that. And then really you do not get much break at all. So you think about Tyler, his body's already gas and then he can decide to rest or try. Like he just doesn't have as much time as a lot of people have had to get right. back to recover. And so for me, I'm still super, I'm high on him. I don't know. I, I you obviously can't say he has like, like I, I'm not taking him off the table in a James Harden talk, but I, I do still believe in him long term as a guy who could be really good. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think it it's tough to turn around and, and just be like, but just based off of what I've seen. Yeah, I think that he's definitely one of the guys that would have benefited from having a normal season in terms of practice time. Yeah. You know, a lot of the other you know rookies that we had chatted about, or not rookies, but second year players that we had chatted about. Um, can rely on their natural athleticism to make themselves look like real NBA players on the court. And Hero does not have what those other guys like Garland or Kobe White have in terms of sheer athleticism. And so for Hero, a a lot of what he relies on is his shot. And so coupled with the Heat doing, doing as well as they did in the postseason, playing as many games as he did, then they have that crazy, you know, athletic regimen that they have to stay in with their body fat percentage in Miami. So they don't really yeah, get a break. Your military shit, like right, you so, know. So he he doesn't he hasn't really had much of a true break. I mean, what was it? You like, see the heat, the heat in general. Months? Yeah. Has anyone besides Jimmy Psycho Jimmy Butler has anyone on that team this year outperformed expectations? Maybe no. none at times. But I mean, you people, you still have Miami Heat fans. It's funny because I, I don't know for whatever reason. No, I know it's because I own Tyler Hero, so I followed a bunch of Miami Heat beat writers and all this shit, and so I still follow them even though I traded them. And they're just talking shit about Duncan Robinson this year, and it's like, relax. <laughs> There's a clear reason why all of these guys that you're shitting on are having down years, and it, it's not you can't attribute everything, but it, they just had so much more, le- so much less time. And they had to do so much more than a lot of these teams. Right. And so do you think that whatever he becomes as a player is closer to what bubble Tyler Hero was? Or do you think it's closer to what he is at now, you know, 15, 4, and 4? Bubble. I, I really do. I, I think I think 25, 26-year-old Tyler Hero is, I'd hope, scoring 23, 24 a night at least. When he, so, I mean, what, what would be like a good comparison for him in the league, somebody now? Again, it's there's never perfect comparisons, uh, but like honestly somewhere in between Book and Levine as like not – and again, this is best case scenario. This is best case yeah. scenario, which again, I think we're closer to this than just him being a whatever, you know, off-the-bench guy or even like very average role player. I think we're closer to the Booker. Um, and I could be wrong, but I, I think that type of profile as a score first ball handler who play makes here and there, but it's not his primary job. Um, mm-hmm. And and obviously, I I just think the body and he look you can tell like that that body right now. Like, I think that will continue to grow, and I see certain things that he can do that again. Uh, you can just tell he's blessed to be able to score the ball the way he does. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. That's the difference maker with all these guys, bro. At the top is 
okay, I don't care if you can give me 12, uh, 12 of 18 from the field, 30 points uh, one night. Like, if you can do that for one night, cool. I need to just see it backed up time and time again when guys know what's going to happen and you're still able to do that. And, and that's the difference is the consistency. And I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But so I think- to me, I, I feel like he could be, I, I think, I think the Devin Booker thing is, is like a lofty comparison. Like Booker's Booker's a fucking star in this league right now. No, no, I it, think it'd be very, very best case. But like, to me, I think that something it's more likely is something like, think Evan Fournier, but like a better rebounder and a little bit better of a facilitator. Like Fournier gets slept on a lot, but he's averaged like 19 points a game for the last four seasons, three seasons. Um, You know, he doesn't do as much uh, in terms of rebounding or assists. So it's probably not the best comparison, but no, but I know what you mean in terms of like that production from your two. Right. I, I, and I could see that. I, I definitely could see that. I think it's just on the lower end of what I'd want, given what I've seen. I mean, this guy was right. was sniping. And again, who knows? Like, there's some. He was sniping. He he what he was fucking sniping. But I, I just thought it was, I thought it was crazy to to read things like, yeah, he's off the table in a in a hardened deal. And I get that. And I get that. And I think I think a lot of that had to do with they were buying the image Harden was putting off. Like I Harden, it was clear now Harden just had to do what he had to do to get out. But like, right. I don't think they wanted that as a part of it. Again, we're talking about military level fitness. Like, Yeah. True. We're going to have to wait till for four months for him to be able to. Pop yeah, I was going to say, he probably wouldn't have even showed up. Yeah. Like, all right. Like I, I'm done. I'm retiring. So, <laughs> saying it um, that's, that's where I'm at. I think I'm higher than most. I think I'm higher than most, but I think I, I know part of that is I owned him. Um, but I mean, he rebounded. He he is. He, it wasn't just purely scoring. Right. It's just tough for him because, like, if he did not have the performance that he did in the bubble, we're probably looking at him like, okay, like his numbers, the efficiency is probably not there, but you can probably attribute that to them going deeper in the playoffs and the rest of the numbers are up. So, you know, if he didn't have that specific run in the postseason where we thought of him as, you know, bucket boy, then again, he had might be different from when the jazz game ended to his first bubble game. That was what four or five months. It's lost on me. Now I would guess four or five months. When the jazz game ended. Sorry, I should have specified when the jazz thunder the last game that got uh, canned, remember when Rudy Gobert tested positive, to when uh-huh. Tyler Hero played that first bubble game, how much, how much time do you think? Three and a half months, I think. That's it? Three and, three and a half, four months. Okay, either way. I think. He had, I, I, I would guess it's three and a half, four. He had that much time off and did that. Yeah. He honestly Fair. had less time from that to this season, I honestly would yeah. say, in terms of days. So, That's uh, fair. I, I want to give. I want to. I want to see what he does with a full off season, and I'd hope he makes a jump in efficiency. And I, I'd hope next year I'm seeing him at around like eighteen, nineteen, ish. Maybe yeah, even a third, third year jump. I mean, that's when you should do it. Yeah. Um. Let's go through. I love Tyler Hero though. You want to talk about? Hmm. Uh, 
let's just go to the Hawks, bro. Because I've been loving what's going on with the Hawks. They, they've been such a fun story. I don't think people – I think because it's the Hawks, it's been kind of swept under – Definitely. Under, under the rug. But you have a team who coming into the year, right, they were se- they were kind of a – they were a sexy team. They had – you know, you think about it in our fantasy terms, like they they tanked for a couple years. They picked up really good players. They pick up homegrown players in Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter – Kevin Herter, John Collins, like that's fun. And then they they bring in Clint Capella via trade, who I don't know that he was ever an all-star, but what he's doing this year is worthy of being an all-star. I think I don't think he'll make all NBA just because of Gobert, Jokic, and Embiid, but like what he's done this year is that level. Um, they had him in free agency, they add Gallo, and then they pay big money for Bogdan. So it's like and no one really talked about him, but it was like a huge change and then dealt with a ton of injuries. But just honestly, even when everyone was there, wasn't very good. And everyone liked Lloyd Pierce, but he, he just wasn't getting the job done. Nate McMillan comes in and you can see it's just a complete shift. Defensively, they're so much better. And they just play, you can tell, they just play so much more together. It was, it, it's it's crazy, like the, the difference. If you actually go back and watch the games, um, but I just think they're so fun to monitor moving forward because they have a million guys that have super high ceilings and they also have a bunch of guys that they just brought on. And so what are your thoughts? Like, who are you highest on there? What have you thought? And, and I mean, you look at Boogie, bro. Like you have DeAndre who went off the start of this year, looked uh, unbelievable, like eventually could be an all-star. Then you have Boogie who sucked and has been on a Gallo who air. sucked and was hurt. Tear. Gallo's gone on a tear. Capella's been on a tear all year. Herders, I think, I think it's safe to say he improved his stock from where it was last year. And really, oh, Cam Reddish sure. is the only one. Cam Reddish is the only one. And still, I mean, that guy has a super high ceiling. So where, where do you want to start? We haven't even brought up they oh, they also drafted on Yeko Kongwu. Yeah, I think that the I want to start with Herder. I mean, talk about a guy that takes advantage of an opportunity that's in front of him, right? I mean, like Reddish was has been on and off hurt and just hadn't been playing well bluntly and then hunter goes down and bogey wasn't back yet gallo was on and off with injuries and so they turned to it was like Herter, he and all of a sudden like, he's playing like 30 plus yeah, like, i hope i can get like 18 to 24 a night like there are so many guys there and he turns out he, he's the only one there and now he's like consistently he's like consistently in like the mid to high teens every single night in terms of points um just a sharpshooter too i just really like what he's done this year um obviously deandre hunter was great until he went down um that was an unexpected jump i mean i i just did not anticipate anything close I don't think, you know, I don't, I think even Atlanta guy, I mean, I let, and I was uh, like, okay with DeAndre. I like DeAndre, but his ability to score in isolation situations, like just knowing how to get to his spot in the mid range every time is something I did yeah. not expect. And then he's also going to go ahead and guard the other team's best player every night. And that is so right. valuable. And it came not out of nowhere, but you see now what they saw. And I think, we always, I mean, you could see the body and potential there, but for it to come true is another thing. Well, you just don't typically see players in their second season being able to score at all three levels as consistently as he did, and then also be the number one defender on the team. It's just exactly. a complete it's like package. It's extremely rare. And I, 
all of these guys besides Cam really have shown like something that I don't think like Kevin Herter. I I know coming out of college they talked a little bit about it, but like his playmaking this year has been yeah, really super, good passer, super pleasant experience in in the Kevin Herter experience, and he can stroke it like. What do you do with Cam? yeah? Well, the yeah, I don't know, but I, I think that the Hunter situation with the injury might almost be a blessing in disguise for the rest of the rotation. Um, you know, because now going into, you know, the, the, the crunch time, the dog days, you have guys like Herder, you have guys like Bogey and Gallo that are now involved in McMillan's scheme. And I think it's going to take Hunter a little bit of time to get up to speed on what they're doing. And I don't even really know what, like he got, he was out for a while. Then they're like, Oh shit. He's actually coming back soon. Like, guess what? He played yeah. like two games and then got another surgery and is just out of here. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. know what's going on with him. But, but yeah, it's a hundred percent a blessing in disguise because it's not like they're going to win it all this, anyways. But I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if if all these guys guys take more, like even a little bit more of a jump to see them in that contending kind of name next year. But I will say, like DeAndre being out has allowed someone like Bogey who was lost early on the season, then got hurt. Like Bogey really, really good. Like, what do you even do with it? Like, like legitimately really good. And I don't know. It's just, it's just a crazy puzzle that I'm just, I don't, I don't know what to expect. It could be. I mean, it's just, it, it just is comical that the Kings let him go ultimately for nothing, but also it's scary. Like why? But also the fact that they chose to keep Buddy and pay Buddy over Bogey is just a a terrible – it's ending up looking like a terrible decision. I think you could say in the – like, I don't know. I know we're all prisoners of the moment, but I I, what does Buddy do well besides stroke the ball? I mean, he can just say that – what did he, like, lead the league in three-point field goals a couple years ago? He's a great three-point shooter. That is it. You can't be one-dimensional as a he's just a, a way guy. worse Joe Harris. I, I exactly like you. I I'm all for doing your job and doing what you do well, but like dude, he doesn't over. I think that people just envision maybe the Kings envision paying like the Oklahoma buddy healed who is just great at everything like he wasn't just a shooter like he was guys he was older than very much older right right (laughs) but then obviously in in the league he doesn't dribble at all if he dribbles it's a sidestep and he's taking a bad three-pointer but yeah the man can absolutely shoot the shit out of it like yeah there's no denying that but yeah you look at bogey and he he was second in threes besides Steph, and it's not just that he's creating he's playing he just has yeah. a better feel. You watch him; he has a feel for the game, and he can he can create. Whereas Buddy is just launching, and he can shoot it really well in a lot of different situations. You pull up from mid range, but yeah. that's that's about it. So, but the but Cam situation, I, I'm not totally sure. I wasn't super high on him out of Duke. Um, I mean, I, I feel like people are just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because he was like a five-star that went to Duke, so they just assume that he should be good. 
but I okay. haven't seen anything for any sort of extended stretch that would make me think that he's like a real rotation player. I was going to say, I didn't, so I, again, not as high on college basketball. For me, when I watch him in flashes, I just see a baby. I see chance, a chance of being a baby PG. I just see it. I see it in certain times. And obviously he's got to be able to put it together, but that skill set, and you know, PG is one of my favorites. He gets so much shit. I love PG. I always have, and he's, done some soft things said some soft things but i love him as a player um and i just see cam have like a very similar skill set so i think i want it to happen um and that's why you see that because his game looks smooth um i i say that because i see a lot of similar tools defensively in that he like I, I love PG as a defender and just that wiry frame, but sturdy and strong too, but can move. And yeah. someone who knows who Cam's obviously really athletic. PG was, he's still probably, you could consider him athletic, but you know, younger PG was crazy. Like I, I just see a lot of like ability to move my body and yeah, I guess smooth ways and create shots for me in a wiry frame. And I think that's what draws me toward towards him. Yeah. Not it, where's his playmaking. That's actually something I wish I I'd seen more. Has he shown I, an ability to play make at all? Or is it just form? Well, th- that's the thing in his, what is this now? This is the second year in the league now. I think this is, yeah, this is his second. Yeah. No, this second is, second year in the league. So he hasn't had to play make this year, obviously, because he hasn't played that much. And then he and didn't have to really had the ball every right. Fashion. But then same thing at Duke. Like he was the third option at Duke, and he never really had the ball in his hands in that fashion. So I don't know. I, I think it <clears throat> to me, the only real apps comparison to Paul George, Paul George of five years ago to, to now is like Tatum. I think their games are so eerily similar. But the way that they're just wiry but also strong, great yeah. defenders, super athletic. No, I but there was similar, a lot of similarities there too. Th- there was another guy on the list that you sent me that, at least offensively, I thought was closer to Paul George, and that was Karis Levert, and that would be a guy that I would want to talk. Not the same level defensively, Let's but talk about Karis. just a bucket anywhere he wants to get to on the court all three levels it doesn't matter he's just where he wants to be it's incredible to watch him on the offensive end i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you right now and again i i don't i think it's important because i i'm not here to shit on karis and i think it's important a hundred percent you see what he can do and you again realize that's not normal but what would you guess he's shooting from the field this year Forty-three percent. Correct. What would you guess he's shooting from three? From three. Mm-hmm. Well, now that you say it like that, I feel like it's like thirty-one percent. Thirty. Yeah, so that's surprising. It's just again, it's it's to the, it's the it's got to be the consistency, and you see when he can do it, it's great, but it's it's being able to night in night out be able to do that at his peak, what he's doing at a consistent rate. And, and it, we really never know, but I, I guess for me too, it is really surprising. Yeah, no. And, and I think he's just a really likable guy. So he's old. And again, I'm not saying Karis is not promising at all. He's a very promising player, but I, I I'm very interested because it's 
it's clear Indy paid paid him to be kind of the he kind of is like it's almost like they're like oh, well oh shit like Oladipo broke like yeah let's get Oladipo <laughs> yeah let's see um and we'll see I think there there very much is a chance that he could be that I just the efficiency has been a little worrying to me. Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, I did not know that the percentages were that low. And to be fair, he's not even, uh, oh. not even that young. He's 26. I was going to say, yeah. Um, but I don't think that he's gotten, and I guess we're talking about Cam, so he hasn't had that development. But Lavert hasn't really started over the course of his career. So maybe if he, you know, gets consistent time. But, I mean, he has, you know, averaged 28 minutes or so throughout the course. I don't know. I'm just surprised at what those splits were. Yeah. And I also think like this year probably helped. Like I, I think seeing guys who are elite at their craft and how they go about things in in KD and Kyrie and having those guys in his corners is going to help, you know, just that much more. But uh, yeah, I wonder where the ceiling, if the ceiling's more like a, even like a DeMar DeRozan guy, or if it's like really like, Paul George, because the difference between DeMar DeRozan and Paul George is huge. And I guess DeMar had a higher prime. And yeah. DeMar's been good this year, but like... Yes, again, he's had like a renaissance this year. Yeah, exactly. But again, their renaissance DeMar is ninth in the West. That, that's what Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like Harris. But again, it's a, it's a wide range. And real yeah. quick, you want to talk... Yeah. Um, Onyeka. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, that for the fantasy league purposes, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't understand why we're laughing at, at Onyeka. Yeah. I, I just think because we're talking about the Hawks, he's a, he's kind of a key piece of what they're doing. And I think people would look and say, oh, he's a bust. Where are you at? Well, to me, and I've told you this before, for whatever reason, it's only with quarterbacks in the NFL and then all rookies or second-year players in the NBA. They get labeled a bust after, you know, they play 50 games or whatever it is. I remember Lonzo Ball was labeled a bust in his first 50 games as a Laker. And it's like a lot of pressure. But it's just so difficult to accurately judge what a player is going to be in the first season. I remember looking up and down Twitter, seeing – where the Laker fans were like, I'd rather have Kyle Kuzma than Jason Tatum because Kuz had that crazy rookie season. <laughs> it was like, this is a real discussion. And then I saw it was like a, it's on a Lakers broadcast. And it was like, which player is going to have more all-star appearances in the next five years? And it was Kuzma, Ingram, Lonzo, and Randall. And 44% of the vote came in for Kuzma. And it was like 4% came in for Randall. And it's just like it's the issue fans, that I have. Bro. It's Laker fans. But I think They're it's, I think it's NBA. I, but I'm not even, I guess, specifically there. I was talking to Laker fans. But I just mean generally in the NBA, I feel like guys get labeled as busts so quickly. Like we were just even having that conversation about like Darius Garland. We were like, yeah. this guy fucking sucked his rookie. No, it's, it's, like, it's part of it's part of the, the kids are 18 and 19 years old. No, that's what the it's part of the culture, but that's just how some fans want to consume. Like they need their anger outlet, and yes. so it's fun for them to shit on this kid who hasn't done anything yet. But, but you, you know, wait, NBA, Onyeka, 
with, with Onyeka, <laughs> I feel yeah. like I can say that he might not be a bust, but the pick that the Hawks made was highly questionable. I mean, unless they felt that they were losing John Collins after this season, why would you but pick him? But they might have. But uh, or if you felt like not at everyone for passing on Halbert. Well, I mean, I I just didn't really understand this selection. Like, just because a guy, unless you're just drafting based on like, I think they won best best talent, best talent available. Yeah, but it just didn't really make. It just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I I don't know, and I I just don't know where he fits with the Hawks moving forward, especially with Capella having the year that he's having right now. I think there was some real, and I think I mean we've seen it bear out. Like I think there's real. I don't know if tension is the right word anymore because it's very clear Nate McMillan has worked at the Hawks. Oh, Nate McMillan, man, the Hawks really that front office is worshiping him, but. Dude, they've turned out some good coaches at a at a the Indiana Pacers, McMillan, Vogel, just going and being great coaches elsewhere. Yeah, but but McMillan McMillan got dumped for no reason. Honestly, yeah. like Nate Bjorgen has done again. You got to give some guys a time, and they've dealt with a lot of bullshit this year. But um, anyway, back what were we talking about? Onyeka, Onyeka, Onyeka. I think. <laughs> No, no, no. Even but it was before that. I just it's just concerning when you see somebody like Nathan Knight come in and look better than Onyeka does. He's your first overall or your first round pick, third overall. For sure, but I think there was unrest that Collins was gonna want more than he they thought he deserved, and they liked Onyeka, and I think that's why they took him. But I agree, there is concern there, but I also think his foot just wasn't right. And I think with bigs, so it put him behind the learning curve. And then with bigs, it's just, you see it. I mean, you see it with Wiseman. I see it. I wish I didn't have, it's not a, it is not a coincidence that right now, and I don't want to make this about Wiseman, but that we are peaking right now with Looney. Like I love, I love what Looney provides. And I don't think people realize that, but I think the, the speed of the game is just super fast for the bigs coming in. And it's just so hard for them to, they're they're seeing these elite point guards coming downhill in pick and roll situations, and they're just I got no I got no idea. Dude, I, I'm just a little bit honestly that the bigs that have come out as top five picks in the last let's call it five years. Okay. Okay, go through them. Right now, I I'm thinking of like one that's like a star right now in Aiton, who's like a borderline star, and he's not even like, but like. The, the guys off the top of my head that I'm thinking, Marvin Bagley, Wiseman, Akongwu, they've all gone through injury issues. And, I mean, Marvin Bagley's had a lot of playing time, and he still hasn't been able to figure it out. So I'm worried about Akongwu. Like, I don't see a path to playing time for him in Atlanta unless there's an injury that happens in front of him. It, it all comes down to what happens with John this, this offseason. I mean, going the way they are with the way he's been playing, I don't know why they wouldn't sign any. But that's the thing. They went wild. They went wild this offseason. They paid Chris Dunn money. They paid uh, – I mean, they knew they are going to have to pay Clint Capella, who's been great, but they paid Gallo. And Gallo's not like a one-year deal. Like, I think – they had – And they I know they gave Bobby. like – what do they give, like 11 to Rondo? 
or nine to Rondo. Yeah, nine Rondo, and obviously they got off of that, and luckily, but they still got to pay Lou then. So I, I don't know. They are for me a team they don't even get talked about, but I I'm really interested to see a, a million different ways that this could go in Atlanta, and a lot of yeah. it comes down to like, uh, I mean, even Trey, like, how good is Trey going to be? I mean, he can't defend for shit, but whatever. I mean, I think you saw like he, he Nate McMillan did a good job, but you're gonna see he can't he can't just do what he did early on in his career, where their teams were fine with him being the only guy on the team running a high pick and roll at 95 times a game and him scoring well, whatever it was. Me, and I'll just go back to a point that I've made before: is like. Steph was the outlier in terms of small guards winning titles. It just doesn't happen throughout. The and he happens to be the best shooter ever. So that helps ever. And he's ever. also a really good finisher. Right. So, so like it, go through the list of guys that have been, you know, fantasy studs or, you know, Westbrook, John Wall, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Steve Nash, I mean, I guess Tony Parker is an example, but he had other guys with him. It's just very, very difficult for your team's best player to be under 6'3", you know, and especially if he doesn't play defense. That's why I try to get people to realize what's going on with Steph. Like, yeah, like I, I've been I've been you can look at my Facebook post when I was 10 years old. You can ask Chuck when I was in the league with Chuck. And it, I still remember me and Chuck. We would literally argue about who's going to make it big more Stafford D Rose. And it was my guy versus his guy, but D Rose is another example, bro. It's just yeah. difficult for these small guards, even if they are good defenders, it's just difficult. The amount yeah, of it is. The, the beating that their bodies take anytime they go into the lane. It's no, just... I, yeah, I'm holding my breath with Steph every game, but I want to make sure people don't let this pass by without like stopping to see like, Oh my God. Like, Agreed. This, this is legitimately okay. ridiculous. This Agreed. is ridiculous. So the I I looked at uh spot track to see the Hawks cap situation. And so mm-hmm. they have 20, almost 22 million rolling off with Tony Snell, Lou Williams, and Solomon Hill. Oh, Lou so they'll Williams be able to off the books. Okay. Yeah. So they'll be able to match whatever. Um and then Chris Dunn has a player option that I would be shocked he doesn't buy into. I still think they're going to – I still – I don't know. I mean, there's no doubt they can and have the ability, but it'll cost them, like, money. And, again, they, they are here trying to make money still. I mean, the, the front well, office isn't but... the, the move that was just surprising to me was – was that did they sign Gallo after they drafted on Yeka? Uh, no, I think they I guess it doesn't Gallo. really matter. I think they signed Gallo first, so it just doesn't make sense to me. Why would you give Gallo? A, they him. It might have been around the same time. I, three year because, deal. <clears throat> I think part of the issue with Gallo is okay. You rewind a year ago, I did a podcast on my top 10. I don't know if you remember, I did top 10. He was top 10, I remember he was like four and or five. and I think part of it is you look at him and he actually looks so old when you watch him. Like he looks like he can barely move, but he is a very, very smart basketball player. And you look year after year, 
he shoots it really, really well almost yeah. every year from the line, from three, and from the field. And so I just think those numbers are why. And, and he's a smart player, and he fits kind of like – he can space the floor, so that's why. But it was – how long was it, three years? That's where I think uh, it comes in. Is three years, $21 million. Annually, 21, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude. In three years from now, that's probably there's a good chance that's a bad contract. You ever you ever watch like Rob Perez and like his his like late night uh, uh, like, streaming thing up. that he does on Periscope? I see it pop up all the time. I've I think I've tuned in like after a big stuff game or so, but like not consistently. But have you seen like the end, like when, when he's wrapping up the Periscope, his Danilo Gallinari video that he does? No. It's like a 10 minute video of just Danilo Gallinari highlights with like an Italian group singing over it. It's really funny. Oh, it's like mariachi style almost yeah. singing over his highlights. He was they a, showed just for a, a while, bunch right? of shit of him in, yeah, Nick, and in yeah. Denver. He was just crazy. Like the behind the back passes, like the reverse Dude, no. dunks that he would do. Crazy He's athleticism. He's yeah, super, oh, sure. and, and, and coming into the league, he could get up. And it, it fell sure. off the flip pretty quick, but he's been in the league for a long time. Oh, for sure. He's in the league when I started watching, which was the Clipper great too. Yeah. Um, I think when I think of Danilo Gallinari, I think of I honestly think of Nuggets. And he was he great man. when he had the, the Mohawk. Remember the Mohawk? I do remember the Gallinari Mohawk, bro. That's... All right, we, we spent enough time talking about the Hawks. Yeah. Do you have do you have one uh, last guy you want to talk about? Yeah, I was gonna say let's let's finish it off. I mean, it is it's so tough. Who do I want to go to? You know what? Fuck it. I didn't even have this guy on my list, but like Jonathan Isaac is my guy. I want to I want to hear your thoughts on. Like, because we've seen medicine has definitely improved. Like, these guys are coming back. And there are definitely cases, like, you, you even look at Victor Oladipo, where they don't come back. But he's still so young, and he has such an interesting tool toolkit that if he puts it all together, I just – I am I think the possibilities would be so, so fun. So I wanted to talk to you about him and, and what you – like, because you're not – no one's – you're not seeing articles about Jonathan Isaac, like, where are you on him and and i know you were probably pretty high on him pre-injury yep. but he's now been injured had, had two major injuries yeah yeah i mean uh, to me he's he's what the nba has transitioned to right i mean these crazy athletic long wingspan tall guys that can shoot the rock a little bit but they're you know great defenders as well um and to me, when the Magic made those moves, they almost, you know, subtly handed him the keys moving forward. I mean, you could say it's maybe he's he's riding shotgun with Markel Fultz or, you know, maybe whatever they want to do with Michael yeah, Carter. But they're right. They're right. I think him and Fultz are riding shotgun, but but Isaac's driving. Isaac's driving. Yeah. And I think so, too, man. I think he's exactly what a star is in, in today's NBA. Um like you said, he's had two major injuries. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like when he comes back. But, you know, we talked about it. It's shown um, that the guys that take their time to come back from these injuries end up playing better. And guys that rush it back to be there at the start of the following season end up getting hurt again. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how the Magic monitor his minutes moving forward. Um, but, 
you know, going into next season, he's going to be in his age, you know, 24 year. Um, you know, he's never, he's, he's averaged, he's never averaged 12 points a game in his career. So it's interesting that the Magic are going to give him those keys to a player that is not averaged 12 points a game. Because you could see, and that's going to be the key. That's because I think the floor of Jonathan Isaac is super high just because of the defense. But if he's able to utilize that skill set and body offensively to where he could be, like that's why it was so I was so damn because you gotta remember I owned Isaac back then. Like I was mm-hmm. so damn excited to watch Jonathan Isaac in the bubble. And I remember he had one game and he looked great. It, he was scoring with ease. And I was so excited to see who this guy, he had already missed a bunch of time with an ACL and, and you know, you think improves the jumper and all that. And I was so excited and then for that to happen. So he's had a lot of time to work on the jumper. The tools are tantalizing. Like we absolutely tan. I don't ever think he has, I don't think he has like a, KD Brandon Ingram type of offensive ceiling, but I do think that he doesn't even need that to be really, really damn good because of oh, dude. I mean, I mean, go watch some of those game defensive highlights, the blocks and steals. Yeah. Like he gets well, everything. He gets everything. I mean, last season in less than 29 minutes a game, he averaged two and a half blocks and one and a half steals. That's crazy numbers. Um I remember and, this game. Yeah, go ahead. Like from his rookie season, so his age 20 season, he shot 38% from the field. And then last season, he shot 47% from the field. Like that, that's just crazy yeah. growth in two seasons. Yeah, bro. Like if you go back and watch some of these games, I remember he had a game in Dallas. He had like legitimately had like four steal, like five steals, four blocks or some shit like that. And it yeah. was just – he did it in so many different facets where he would as a weak side defender, come clean up the rim or just as an on ball defender, just pick the primary ball handler or just play the passing lanes. Like it's just such a defensive weapon that before we leave, bro, if you had to, created... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Well, no. What were you saying? Cause I can still ask. Well, I was going to say, it's just going to be really interesting to see. I guess you could say this about any, any fucking lotto team, but what they do in the draft um, yeah, how that order point, would be huge. Like they used a lotto pick on Cole Anthony um this last draft. With and Fultz. I don't know. Huh? With I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't really know about Cole. Like he again, we go back to the undersized guard thing. And it's not like he's a great shooter. It's not like I mean he's not. He's like a bad shooter. Yeah. So it's like he's, he's like it's not even close. You have an undersized an bad shooter. shooting guard. But again, you also have a 20. So we'll see what this right he can do um but i mean it, it'll be interesting because it the way that i'm looking at it, it if they end up drafting kaminga or green you know if they end up four or five then you have then you run out cole fultz kaminga isaac, isaac and carter and, uh, yeah i i, I kaminga is a guy i need to like i i want i'm really excited to see kaminga because i'm hearing he's like a three four which is rare or is yeah he- i think yeah, he, he is. I mean, I, I think somebody like Scotty Barnes would be really interesting on that team because he's a guy that is like another big wing like Isaac, Isaac. facilitate too. And that okay, that goes to my question, bro. If you had to build a defense, just all defensive team that you would want just to play mm-hmm. defense, what would your five be? I should have told you before the pod, but I just thought of it and I'm gonna think of mine. But obviously okay. I there. 
Okay, Isaac Gobert for sure. Well, okay. No, yeah. I, Isaac, I build Isaac, switchers, just five switchers. Isaac, That's Isaac at the three. AD Isaac at the four. <laughs> Gobert at the five. And then, fuck. This is just Dude, all defense. Yeah, I'm I would go want, Kawhi. I'm going Kawhi at the two. Well, I was going to say Kawhi at the two, Drew at the one, and then have Thibel be my sixth man off the bench. Yeah, that's – I mean, I think that's where I'm at. And if you Thibel want, is if, crazy. If they go small, just take off – a, just make AD play the five. Everyone slide down and Thibel will be the two. Dude, um, Thibel – We're door. Thibel, hold on. Really cool. I, I know you have Thibel stats on hand, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just his his every time in the fucking Discord when they bring up Isaac Okoro <laughs> and then they show Isaac Okoro playing 38 and a half minutes per night, getting like a steal and a half. Oh, he's this great fucking defender. And then I look <laughs> at Matisse, Matisse Thibel's per 36 minutes, averaging three steals and two and a half blocks. I'm telling you, bro. Kyle took Kyle took negotiations and the game we're all playing to another level. Like there was always it was called torpedoing in the past, but Kyle was on one in that he made it that you you know 90% of what is said in chat is bullshit. They don't even mean what they're saying. They are saying something purely to get a reaction or to up value or lower value and it didn't used to be like that but kyle i i really think kyle was the start of there was a little bit of it but it's like like he would be the one that initiated it or he got burned by it no like he'll initiate he will smear someone's name if he if he has yeah. a chance he will leave he's he's posting stew stuff which i honestly respect i'm not saying he shouldn't be doing this i just think it's funny to have witnessed kyle like all right, you better play this game that I'm playing or else I'm going to have an upper hand on you. And I mean, the Stu, the Stu thing is great for him because he is actually good, especially look, for Stu, the league that Stu we're I in. Stu, I can't argue. Stu is yeah. both in fantasy the, and real life. He's just, with the Okoro thing, specifically the Okoro thing, he just moves the goalposts to whichever argument he's doing. He does that with every argument. He does that with every <laughs> argument. And generally... Again, he wins plenty of his arguments. But generally, when someone is it's funny is though changing what they're arguing, they, <laughs> you know you're probably right. But all I can say is that sure, you can talk about hindsight being 2020. I would not have drafted Isaac Okoro for this fantasy league because I just don't think he is a gifted offensive player. He could change into that maybe at some point, and maybe I mean, he uh, has a certain floor defensively. Dude, but it would be hard to see again. Again, they need time to have off seasons to work on certain stuff. But he, you know, you see certain guys like they're starting on different levels. A coral starting at the bottom floor. Dude, well, the <laughs> thing is, it's like I'm looking at this this upcoming draft, right? I don't Do even know if a coral. I don't even know if a Coral would be a lottery pick in this upcoming draft. Oh shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, then that's more that means more from you because I don't watch college. So I, I don't and know. I don't even think that's like an outlandish thing to say. Like a, all of definitely the top 12, he would not be in the top 12. 
then it kind of gets dicey. But is this draft this good? I might need to hop on TJ's picks, bro. Well, the there there is a lot of really good talent for sure, bro. Like how? Like and again, it's hard to say because Halley went twelve last year, but that was a consensus he dropped. Bad pick, yeah. Yeah, it, but yeah, I mean, it, there's. I don't. I, the only guy really that, like Scotty Barnes, is known as like a really good defender. And Davion Mitchell is known as a really good defender, but they're also really gifted offensively as well. Akoro was never known as being what Scotty averages offensively. Yeah. Huh? What Scotty averages here point ball? He averaged, dude, he's just 6'9, 230, like, and he handles the ball. Yeah. He was at 10 and a half, four, four, steal and a half. But he only okay. played 23 and a half minutes. Because Scotty is that the, the type of guy that I like in a in a hooper, like contributes large wing defender. And the, and then when, he's you very- have, when you have the scoring component, oh, that's what like the PG type. That's how I fall in love with. But um yeah, I've done much research on this draft. Yeah, I mean he's uber talented. Like if you if you watched him in the tournament, like he would be bringing the ball up consistently for them at six nine. As yeah. a freshman, which is just really impressive. Yeah. All right, bro. He, gets it. he he chose he chose Florida State over Oregon was his number two, and he chose Florida, Florida State. Florida State gets a a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Is this just like Hamilton? Terrence, man, bro. What was I doing? What a jump! I did the same thing, bro. I really did do the same thing. Terrence, man, I I traded him for a second. Dude, who could have seen this jump? Not me, obviously. Not you. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I yeah, watch him, it was like this herky jerky. Like, oh, looks so god. awkward. Looked like he yeah, wasn't like, filled in in his body. Oh my god! Just pass it, Terrence. Just pass it. And now, <laughs> like, he's taking guys off the dribble. It's incredible, and I'm yeah. happy for him. I'm happy for him. Um, yeah. All right, bro. I, I'm trying to think if there's a guy in our league because I know now we're at the end of the the pod. No. I think, I think. I'm done. I, I got I got my pieces in. I got my Kobe White fit <laughs> in. I'm happy. I think you nailed the Kobe White, bro. <laughs> and I, and again, no point in in being out on guys when they're making just twenty year old mistakes. That's normal. Anyways, yeah. thank you, bro. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, bro. Of course. I appreciate the screen time. Of course, of course. We'll do it again soon, bro. All right, later, bro. With Have the West. Way. With the West. Nope. Oh, yeah. Let's do it with the West. Let's do it with the West. All right, bro. Peace. Peace, bro.